Listener Production. First, a warning that this podcast deals with confronting issues involving abuse against children. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, mate. So if you're looking for a podcast to binge over summer, then I've got you covered. This investigation was dubbed Project Spade. To date, the project as a whole has saved 386 children from sexual abuse worldwide. This alone is spectacular. The arrest of the abusers was a success, sure. But behind those headlines, there's something much more significant hidden in the Brian Way records. They don't know it yet, but the police have just found the key to unlocking one of the biggest child abuse networks ever seen. The new documentary series, The Children in the Pictures, is really worth a look. Australian documentary maker Akim Dev follows a Queensland police investigation. They're on the dark web trying to stop photos and videos being shared that show unimaginable acts against children. Now, photos and videos showing child sexual assault, things like grooming, blackmail, extortion, it's a horrifying topic, I get it, and child abuse is disgusting, but at the same time, it's real and it's happening and it's essential to understand it so we can help to stop it. So I'm going to share a sample from the children in the pictures soon. But before that, I thought it would be really great to tackle directly what can we do to help keep our kids safe online. Joining me now from Queensland Police is Adele Dizir. Adele is part of the elite team of investigators known as Task Force Argos that is featured in the children in the pictures. Hey, welcome Adele. Hi. What's been your reaction to the, I guess, the reception of the podcast? I was afraid it was going to be really too horrible for people to listen to or to look at because it is really a very difficult subject. But um, most of the time, people are really actually eager to know more because it's not something we talk about uh, on a day-to-day basis. And that's part of the issue because... We don't talk about it, then we don't think about it, then we don't do anything to help. So I think uh, most of the people were grateful to have their eyes open, really, on how big and prevalent the problem is. Yeah, I was really, I think, overwhelmed by the support. And um, it's really good to see that we are not alone, you know, in our little offices fighting this horrible crime. But there's, there's so many people out there that want to do more and help. Yeah, well, I guess this is part of why we're having this conversation right now, because I listened to the podcast and it was horrific and confronting and difficult to take in and to digest. Uh, But at the same time, it is really important. And that's why I think it's such a great thing, because it's educating, educating people all around Australia and all over the world about this really hard thing that you guys are facing every single day and what the kids are facing every day. Um, I wanted to talk about Task Force Argos. Why was that set up? Um, so originally, Task Force Argos was uh, set up to a totally different purpose in a way, like it was to tackle historical child sexual abuse in Australia, uh, mostly uh, within the church. But very early on, like in as early as 2001, uh, my boss, uh, John Rose, 
really like started to to see uh, the threat that internet was uh, becoming for children. So quite early on in 2001, they had that shift to decide to focus on internet crimes against children, really. And they were one of the first team in the world to do that. So really visionary. Yeah. And we have yeah John Rose and the early guys to thank for. Why is it that the internet was a threat? Like, what was it about the internet? No, I think, um, you know, child sexual abuse has always existed, you know, um, and it's not a new issue at all. I'm sure it was very, very bad in the past as well. It's just that the internet made it more visible, I think, for people. And they made it, uh, it made it more easy, uh, for offender to, well, meet like-minded offenders. It was very hard in the past, you know, to have these networks of people and sharing images you had to do through the post office. You were taking a lot of, you had, you had to be engaged physically to do that sharing. So it was a lot more risky. So internet solved that issue completely for them. Also, like the recording part, of course, uh, now you can you know, a very cheap phone and you can uh, produce your own child abuse material and share it online in one go. So I think the internet fixed a lot of technical problems that offenders were having before. And also on the other side, it gave a lot of offenders with direct access to children because children are connecting as well. Mm. These days they can be anonymous, they can be in a chat room, they can be connecting with other, as you say, like-minded individuals. So I can see how much more of a, a threat, I suppose, the internet poses. How much child sexual abuse material is there out there and what is the dark web? So it's a difficult, uh, the question about the, the volume of child abuse material out there is a difficult question to answer because yeah. I'm only aware of what's been uh, seized by the police at some stage. You know, there's so much that we don't know. But I think probably one of the biggest collections out there, uh, which is held at NECMEC uh, in the US, is around, uh, I don't know, yeah, 80 millions, I think, of different... Um, 80 million videos. videos videos and images of child sexual abuse. 80 million. And it's probably the tip of the iceberg. So it's unimaginable, really. And then the dark web. It's not like us just jumping onto Google. So the dark web also like fixed a lot of issues that these offenders were having when they were trying to meet online uh, before, uh, which was we were, we were able to arrest them because it was um, they were identifiable through the uh, IP connection. Exactly. So uh, the dark web totally anonymizes all of that. So yeah, it makes it much easier um, to uh, connect. And also the dark web hosts uh, a very large number of these forums we are mentioning, you know, in the podcast and also in the documentary. But you have to know that um, we talk a lot about the dark web because that's probably what my uh, team focuses on. But any application on the internet is being used to share and exploit children. Every one of them. Like we, there are cases everywhere on the clear web, on applications on the dark web is just like any technology is going to be used or misused uh, if you say to that to that aim nobody is um, immune from it so say for example facebook would be a platform that predators are misusing 
for child exploitation? They are using it a lot. <laughs> yes, I can tell you that. I can confirm, but it's not it's not to point fingers at Facebook in particular. Like really any social media, any messaging application, any part of a web is misused. Like uh, in the past, for example, it's probably not done a lot these days, but they were using, um, you know, you had on some blog um, a page where you could leave comments, for example, and uh, this was used as well, you know, to to share and um, exchange child abuse material. They were meeting on certain pages to do that. So, yeah, any part of a web is misused. Well, I guess, and from the other perspective, as a parent, um, you know, I've got two little boys. What sort of steps could I take to protect them from grooming or abuse? Yes. Um, so I think... It's really two different conversations to have. Uh, you know, the dangers that they are facing online and the dangers that they could be facing in their everyday life if they meet a predator like this, you know, or if they are being sexually abused. It's very, it's two different, uh, conversations to have. But I think, um, the physical, like the, um, contact abuse conversation should happen as early as they're able to talk. Um, it's, it's really, really important. Like we see children, like, you know, preschool children being abused all the time. And, uh, they don't have, um, even if they can speak, they don't necessarily have the understanding that what's happening is not normal or they don't have the vocabulary. So if we can uh, have conversation with our children as early as possible about, um, you know, consent, about uh, body privacy, uh, this type, and also really uh, making them understand that uh, you are never going to be in trouble because you talk to me. I think that's so important. And there's no such thing as a secret, you know, to have with anybody. Uh, you know, you have to distinguish between like what is a secret, what is a surprise, because of course you can have a surprise party and you shouldn't talk about it. So make the distinction between what is a secret, what is a surprise, but that there is no secret for mommy and daddy. Like really, I think it's important to stress on that because uh, predators will use that a lot, this uh, secret. Uh, they can also use uh, when the children are older, threats or other techniques, but I think Think it's really important to say you are never going to be in trouble because you talk to me and I will always protect you. It's, yeah, this type of conversation, unfortunately, yes, as early as possible because we see that, um, yeah, as soon as we're able to talk. Um, the um, online prevention discussion is to have, well, as early as your child is going to start, you know, getting access to devices. Uh, so unfortunately, it's earlier and earlier. I think this is a more tricky uh, conversation to have even, yeah, because um, there's a lot of things we don't control at all. Your child is going to be online and is going to have access to all kinds of things, whether it is like, you know, access to pornography at a young age, which could be very harmful, or, you know, um, yeah, a predator having access to your child. So it is a difficult uh, conversation. You have to be informed. I think that's what I would recommend to parents, like really inform yourself as much as possible. Like there are 
a lot of sites out there um, with a lot of uh, parental information um, to get to together. Also, that is age appropriate, so which is very helpful. You don't have the same conversation, you know, if your child is already a teenager or if he's only eight years old. So um, there's a very good resource that you can use is the ACE website. The ACE website gives access uh, to um, all kinds of, you know, information uh, sites in Australia. And you have also the e-safety commissioner one that is very good uh, and also has a lot of good information for parents. Because first of all, parents have to be yeah, informed about the technology, aware uh, about uh, the apps uh, that your child uh, is going to be using. You have to be yeah, aware of the security uh, settings of these apps that your children are going to be using. And um, I think also, uh, very importantly, you have to have access to your child's device. Um, so you have to know the password. You have to. So that's, some, that's something that you should make very clear with your children. Like, I'm going to have access and I'm going to check from time to time so what's going on. So, um, it, uh, yeah, it has to be like a two-way conversation. And also the same, like, if anything happens to you, anything that makes you uncomfortable, like, you will never get in trouble uh, if you talk to me. Even if you have shared something that you are ashamed of, like, really, really make understand, like, shift the blame, really, because very often, like, the victims feel so guilty <laughs> when the offenders don't, <laughs> you know, so really, really shift the, the blame on the offenders. It's not the children, it's the offenders that should feel guilty. So they should not be afraid or too ashamed to talk to you. And yeah, the um, number one uh, guideline that uh, never accept, you know, an invitation of somebody that you don't know in real life, ah. never accept if a forty, <laughs> if a beautiful woman with a big bosom, you know, talks to your uh, prepubescent child, then it's probably a pedophile. I would say it's probably not what it seems. So that's um, that's a really good one to yeah. only accept requests from people that you know in real life. But that's not enough uh, because we have seen cases where, uh, unfortunately, so. Predators get access to uh, a child and start, you know, the blackmailing process uh, with this child. And as part of a blackmailing, they obtain credentials to the accounts. So they then impersonate that child to approach their friends. You know what? We've seen that more than once. So even sometimes a person that you actually know and see every day could be uh, someone else. So really online, you never know mm. um, who you are dealing with. I think it's, it's a safe, um, it's a very safe, um, how do you say, advice to tell your child that even though, you know, with what we think about, you know, sharing naked pictures of ourselves, like whatever, you know, uh, it's never a good idea online. Never. Uh, I think my, me, that's the advice I would give to any child. Like, you know, whatever the, um, the thought process is about this, you know, whether it's part of a normal sexualized behavior or not. It's never a good idea to either stream yourself or um, send a picture of yourself because it can be used against you, as simple as that. And the internet doesn't forget. And when you say it could be used against you, because I'm thinking, you know, sexting, you might be t a pair of 16-year-olds and it would be very normal to send a photo of your body. How could that photo be then used against you? 
So that's where it's very difficult to to how do you say trace that line between what is a normal you know sexual behavior yeah. between consenting teenagers and what uh, is dangerous and uh, behavior and can be used against you. It's difficult, but um, we've seen unfortunately uh, sometimes this type of pictures that were sent in a consensual manner to <laughs> a consensual partner. Um, you know, once it's digital in digital form and it's left your phone, like um, you lost ownership of it and you don't know, maybe the, the, the relationship might go sour at some point and this image might, you know, leave the possession of your boyfriend or someone might steal the image. Um, there is even cases where accounts, you know, uh, photo accounts have been hacked and uh, intimate images uh, being um, stolen, you know, so... Yeah, anything is possible, really. So, mean, that's why I might be a bit extreme, but I would advise, like, it's never a good idea, but unfortunately. This, this is why it's so valuable to chat to you because you see this stuff every day as part of the work that you do. And I feel like most citizens just carry on about their lives and they might be, like you said, totally blind to this sickening problem that we have these days. Your role at Task Force Argos is a victim identification analyst, is that right? Yes, that's my title, yeah. And what does that mean? So victim identification is the police discipline um, that uh, consists in analysing uh, media of child sexual abuse, uh, either circulating online or once they're seized on the computer of an offender that's been arrested. So really what I do every day is analyze content, um, trying to come through all the clues present in the material or the intelligence around the material and try to find, you know, where these children are. That's so heavy. How do you... Because if I think about myself in that role, climbing through graphic, horrible, confronting images and videos of children being raped, um, I don't think I'd be able to function, <laughs> you know. So what do you do to look after yourself? No, I think um, what I always say is for us, it's really the goal, you know, uh, that drives us. Um, we know that we are helping children, you know, we, we know that we are making a difference for at least some of them. And that's really the drive. I think that helps us uh, remaining sane, <laughs> you know, is that that constant hope. And I know that even if today I don't have enough clues to solve this case, you know, maybe in a few months I will. So um, it always like keeps us, you know, going and not despair completely uh, from what we are seeing. So me, I always say like the day I don't find any more children, maybe I'm going to have to stop because it's just going to be too hard to watch and to deal with if you're not making any difference. Yeah. As long as, you know, we are making a difference, I think it helps us a lot. Um, can, can you tell me one of the, one of the wins that Task Force Argos have had? So we have a lot of wins. So we are lucky, like fingers crossed. I want it to keep that way. It's getting harder and harder though. Like, you know, um, Technology is making it more difficult for us and offenders are also getting uh, probably uh, more aware uh, of what not to do. So it is getting harder, but we are um, still uh, getting a lot of wins. 
Yeah, we have a lot of cases, but and all of them are important. But one of them probably is uh, quite recent. And we were just so relieved when we heard that this little girl had been found. So it was um, a series of horrific um, videos that are starting, you know, uh, populating on the dark nets and on Telegram with a little girl. And um, the the abuse was so severe that even pedophiles themselves were very, very... Um, triggered by the material. So it was actually forbidden in a lot of boards because it was so bad. That's how bad it was. Every way, like psychological, um, physical, um, you know, horrible thing to watch and to listen to. But um, thankfully, so we kept, you know, um, you know, really, really trying to find as much information as we could about this series of material. We we tried every single way. We alerted all our international colleagues about this series so they are aware. And if they find any new any new clue, you know, they can uh, provide it right away. And uh, one day we got lucky enough that we managed to actually figure out it re- in which country this little girl may be. And immediately we... Um, Waste alert on that country. We contacted our colleagues and a few months after they were able to find the little girl and the offender. So there is no, you know, like we just all celebrate <laughs> when things like that happen. Like everybody was so relieved for this little girl. The, just to know that now she's not going to be abused anymore. And had she been abducted? Is that how they had access to her? No, no. Uh, the offender was her own, very own father. Okay. Okay. Very in favor. And it is actually the case. It's also probably a wrong fact we have about child sexual abuse, thinking it's always the stranger danger, you know, and abduction cases. Well, um, in the majority of our cases, it's not like, um, 80% of the cases, it's within the very circle of the family, you know, and then you just go a little bit further and it's probably someone like a neighbor or, you know, in the teaching or in the sport area and, that's really the majority of the cases. Like it's hard to have exact numbers, but I think it's less than 3% uh, where uh, in child sexual abuse, the, the child actually doesn't know their abuser. So it's a very, very marginal part of it. And that makes sense too, because it, obviously it's someone who has direct access to that child. So someone like their immediate family, uncles, aunts, neighbors, teachers at their school. It's all about access. Absolutely. Can you talk to me about the term child pornography? Because I believe that's not the term that um, you guys would use. So no, no, we never use uh, child pornography to describe what we are seeing. Uh, we call it child sexual exploitation material or child sexual abuse material. Um, because I think it's very, very wrong to associate uh, what is actually the depiction of a horrific crime. Uh, to, you know, pornography, which is, you know, normally between two consenting adults and, you know, it's a legitimate in most countries. So it's very, very wrong to associate both. I think it's completely alleviate the gravity of what it actually is. Um, it so does. we should never to it. Yeah. So rather than saying child pornography, we should say child sexual abuse material or child. Child sexual exploitation material in some cases. Yeah, we differentiate it because um, in some cases you don't directly see uh, sexual abuse of a child, for example. Uh, but um, there is an element of exploitation because the child is wearing lingerie or in inappropriate poses, for example. Or sometimes you can have um, 
pictures that are taken, you know, without uh, the knowledge of the parents or the children, you know, the covert type of pictures. So all of this um, is more like exploitative in a way. And and a covert image of a child could be someone taking video of kids at a park? Beach, park, uh, changing rooms, anywhere. We see that a lot as well. Uh, IP cameras also being hacked in the homes. Right. So someone yeah. hacking my computer and yes. hacking my webcam on my computer. Um, mostly is the surveillance, you know, uh, type of cameras we put up in the bedrooms and our homes. You know what I mean? Um, these are pretty easy to hack if you don't yeah, protect them enough. And how do you protect them? Well, I don't know because I think it depends what type of uh, software you're using. But yeah, I would true. say uh, if you own such devices, you pro- probably should go online and Google it, you know, and how to protect as best I can my access to this camera or contact the maker directly. Okay, awesome. Get the best, yeah, the best advice for your specific uh, device. Awesome, awesome um, advice. What can we do if we suspect someone being involved in this type of activity? I would say contact police. Contact uh, right the police. Away. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, on the ACE website, um, you have a report button. So I would advise, yeah, if you detect any activity online such as this, like um, contact uh, via the ACE uh, website. And I guess if you make a report about it, I would presume that it would eventually find itself to someone like Task Force Argos and then that becomes part of the brief of clues that you've got to persecute the perpetrator. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, awesome. And apart from listening to the podcast, The Children in the Pictures, where else can parents go to find out a little more about this stuff, about keeping their kids safe? No, again, yeah, um, I think in Australia, uh, we have two very good uh, sites to do that. So the, the eSafety Commissioner website and also the ACE website, just because it collates all the good resources, you know, like think, yeah. you know, like Daniel Morecom foundations, like they are working with a lot of partners. Um, that's, yeah, absolutely go, go visit the websites and see what you can access. There are so many resources that you can access for free. Uh, to better protect your children. Hey, it's been really great to speak to you today, Adele. I really appreciate your insights. No, thank you for giving me this opportunity and very nice to chat to you too. Yeah, it's been great. Adele Dizier is from the Queensland Police Task Force Argos. I take my hat off to that team and the incredible work they're doing. Seriously. The Children in the Pictures podcast is made by the incredible documentary team at Listener. There's a link in the show notes to have a listen, and it's a must listen. I'll leave you with a taste. I'm Akim Dev. I'm the father of two daughters, and I'm a documentary maker. For years, I've been watching how the worst kind of crime is spread out of control. The average general person is just completely unaware of what's happening. It is an epidemic, but it's just not being treated as such. Police open the door! The kingpin of the global child call network was described by the judge as a worldwide evil like he'd never seen before. I'm talking about child sexual abuse material online. This is the story of how one of the most secretive and depraved online child abuse networks was brought down. Effectively a criminal enterprise, and the criminal enterprise was focused on the sexual exploitation of children. 
But this crime is not going unnoticed. There's an elite police task force leading the fight, right here in Australia. It's called Task Force Argos. Child sex offenders are referred to as rock spiders, and rock spiders live under rocks. Hence, our motto is leave no stone unturned. These elite online child abuse investigators have an international reputation for taking down the world's worst sex offenders. We knew that he was a hands-on abuser, and we had an Australian administering a child sex offender network. Oh, shit. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. This series follows the twists and turns of Task Force Argos as they infiltrate one of the largest online child abuse networks the world had ever seen. Welcome to the Love Zone. It's called the Love Zone. This group viewed themselves as very elite, wanting to build the biggest source of child abuse material in the world, but doing it in a very clandestine way. You are now registered as a full member on TLZ. Argos aimed to shut it down forever. So to achieve that, we really had to take the head off the snake. But to catch these horrific perpetrators, the Argos investigators have to become them. They are putting themselves in the mind of the offender. They are being evil. Where do we go with this and what do we do? This is uncharted territory. And that comes at a cost. What people don't recognise is we're not bulletproof. You take this stuff home. And Argos will do everything they can to save the children in the pictures. It's already such an unfair fight, you know, and I'm not talking about the police, I'm talking about the children. And we are trying to fight for them. So any weapon, any tool that is available, I'm going to use it. The Children in the Pictures, available now on Listener or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Listener.